We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it, check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. We got like a couple of days before we do liftoff and we hit Detroit Motor City. We're going to rock. We're going to have a good time. I'm telling you, I'm bringing the camera. We have to take pictures. Yes. You I'm and shopping. I. We're yeah. doing this. Oh, wait a minute. You're going shopping. Oh, hell yeah. I, you're going to give me an excuse to shop. I'm going to shop. You want me to follow you in the mall with a camera shopping? <laughs> <laughs> is, that what, is that what you're saying? That would not be ideal. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't do good in the malls. Like when 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 I go to the mall and stores like that, like I normally walk in a store like it's so predictable. Walk in a store and I'm I'm scanning for one thing, a couch, a chair, something so I could sit down. I hate shopping. And like when I go for myself, literally, I know what I'm looking for. Click, 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 click. If I can't find it, I'm out. Like I do not spend a lot of time in the store. Yes. I, I don't let my husband go shopping with me because he ruins it because he does exactly what you said. Okay. I'm here. I've done the thing that I need. And now you're absolutely want to go home. No, absolutely. we're staying. We're fine yeah. and stuff. Well, that's because you all want to try on like everything, like even in your mind, but even in your mind, you know, you don't really like the outfit but you're making yourself try to like it. So let me see if I can put it on. And if I think that the color looks great in the mirror and might this color look good in the sunshine when it hits it, like you don't like it on the hanger. So why are you trying it on? I, I disagree with that. I think you're putting that on us. And I don't think that's the you case. Think so? I do. Okay. I do. You're putting well, it look, on us. I, any reason you have to go shopping, that's fine. I thought you did that earlier in the summer because I remember an episode where someone said they was going shopping and, you know, had a lot of little dresses for the summer and all that. But that's fine because at least one outfit has to be all black. We, we, all maybe black. we should do like all white. I, I can rock both. You have all white. I definitely do not have all white. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to get like a brand new, like white T-shirt. All right. We may be able to make it happen. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Detroit next week. Why are we going to be in Detroit? Tell them. Um, so we're going for Symphony Talent, their show that's getting recorded next week. And uh, Chad and Cheese will be there. Crazy and the King will be there. Yes, uh, My good friend Torn Ellis is going to be rocking us uh, on yes, stage as indeed. he always does. So it's going to be a good ass time. Yeah, we're going to have a really, really good time. We absolutely love the folks over at Symphony Talent. They are doing some incredible work. The Joy campaign, the Joy tour is what it's all about. They got a cool little decked out truck. It's like a little studio in it. Actually, you can go on the truck and record, do some incredible stuff. We're going to do some filming. Looking forward to seeing the entire Symphony Talent team. And there's some other surprise guests that are going to be there as well. So yes. looking forward to that. Absolutely. Um, so listen, uh, let's just start off with something fun. It's the summertime. Uh, the biggest news of the week, like the the biggest news of the week. OK, what is it? Lay it on me. The swimsuit edition came out. Sports Illustrated. 
okay. Yeah, not what I had in mind, but okay. It doesn't sound <laughs> to me like you're holding your breath. It doesn't sound to me like you were wait- you were waiting for the Sports Illustrated issue to come out. Neither was I. And let me tell you why I wasn't waiting for it. Because whenever I've looked at it since I was in, I don't know, I'll say high school because I don't remember, but certainly in the military, I don't recall Sports Illustrated ever really focusing on the women that were around me, the women that were in the Air Force around me, the women that were in the Navy around me. Now, notice I said the women that were around me, and I had very fit women. Mm -hmm. We had others that were maybe a little less than fit, but still more than capable. And when I say less than fit, I mean, just not as fit as some of the others, but absolutely more than capable of serving, of, of, of being beautiful in uniform and outside of uniform. Sports Illustrated, it's never necessarily represented the women around me. So I never really held my breath waiting for it. But this year's edition, they have some folks on it. They do have some folks, some folks I'm I'm pretty excited about. Wait, well, tell me who you know, who you know. Uh, well, Naomi Osaka. Got it. Megan the Stallion. Come on. What you know about Megan the Stallion? I love Megan the Stallion. <laughs> Come on. I, I'll show you my Spotify <laughs> Spotify playlist. I got her. So we got to check that when we're in Detroit. I want to uh, see you that. You can verify. I promise. Okay, got it. Okay. And then who's the third person? And Lena Bloom, the first trans cover star and first trans woman of color to be included in the mag. And I don't know what she's from. So I didn't or don't know Lena Bloom. So that was the surprise for me. Of course, I'm familiar with Megan and Naomi Osaka. And so it was a big deal in the, you know, it may not have been the biggest news of the week, but it was a big deal because it's the first time they've made three separate covers and three black women have graced the covers of Sports Illustrated. Oh, that's cool. So they're doing three Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit editions this year, each with one of the ladies on the front. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that kind of that's kind of the way that I took the story, like you wouldn't see all three of them side by side, although the images that I saw on Twitter had the three women side by side. But the way that I read it is that it was going to be three different covers. So so here's here here's what 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 I don't want to say it gnaws at me. If you're a Muslim woman, a Japanese woman, an Afro-Caribbean woman, um, if you are a woman that just typically is underrepresented or over uh, overlooked, you're not one of the women who might win a Miss America pageant or a Miss USA pageant or a Miss International pageant, you're still equally as beautiful. You're still beautiful and equally may not even equally could be a bit of a dismissive term. You're still beautiful. Yes. And so I wonder why we put so much stock still in something like a Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover. Why are we, hold, some of us, holding our breath, waiting for this first. Like we we know that people continue to be first in categories, but why are we waiting for the validation of like a sports illustrator? I, I mean, that's a fair question. And I wish, especially as women, we didn't feel like we needed to wait for that validation and that we had that confidence and, and positive body images within ourselves. But that's not how at least my generation of women were raised. And so 
these types of validations with curvy girls and dark girls and different girls, it is empowering. And I think it's still important for little girls to see different bodies and different bodies being celebrated, whether it's you know, whatever that body is, who cares? That gives them more confidence than the swimsuit edition I grew up with, which was all like, you know, skinny, skinny, skinny girls. And that's not what 98.9% of us look like. There's, there was a young lady. Her name is Gabby. I can't remember her last name. And I think she played in that movie Precious with Monique, a heavyset black woman. Gab, and her last name begins with an S, if I'm not mistaken. She's actually in a Calvin Klein commercial. You know, and she's a, a plus size woman in a Calvin Klein commercial, positive moniker to it, positive hashtag to it. And that's really what it's all about. I just think that it's so important for us to figure out a way that we are not body shaming individuals, that we are uh, allowing the beauty of who we are as humans to be seen as being beautiful. That doesn't suggest that I'm not uh, listen, I don't I don't want to front on this little podcast that we have. I, I'm not trying to front and say that everybody should be in spandex or everybody should be in see through this or see through that. Just like every man shouldn't be in a tight this or, you know, there are certain I, I still feel like there are certain limits to what individuals should put on. But I, I feel like I, I just would love to see more of us feeling beautiful Um without the validation of others. And speaking of feeling beautiful and, and lacking or not needing validation, there's a couple of things that I see as relics that we can get rid of. And for me, I think it's uh, like the body mass index, because uh, that thing is going <laughs> to always tell me that I'm overweight. Yeah. It, it, there's yeah, there's that, no way for me to get around it. I think it's going to always tell me that. I think we can get rid of that. I think we can get rid of women walking around the boxing ring with the little scorecard saying that we're in round number three. Shit, if you can't keep attention to what round we're in, then you didn't need to be at the <laughs> boxing match in the first damn place. So, so I'm no. not saying to get rid of Sports Illustrated. I'm just simply saying there's some things that we can get rid of. Yeah, I, I also don't think that I think part of feminism is not shaming the ladies who want to walk around the boxing ring and holding the placard. That wouldn't be my choice, even if I had that body. Um, but, you know, more power to her. Like, you do your thing. You're happy with what you got. Flaunt it. Rock it. Make some money off these men. Oh, I was going to say, so what you're saying is, Torn, let the employed be employed. Is that what you're saying? Damn straight. You do let what you the do. Employ- let the employed be employed. Okay. All right. That's cool. Uh, new book out. Dan Howell wrote in his book. Um, it's a brilliant book, Analyzing Corruption. He talks about $2.6 trillion is lost each year to corruption. And in such, he reports uh, by the World Bank that another $1 trillion is paid out in bribes every single year. Those are some really big numbers. $2.6 wow. One trillion in bribes. So the question that I have is, where are we going wrong in leadership? Like, if we are evaluating these people for their academic accomplishment, for their um, their pedigree, their communication style, their appearance. Um, I have a client, not a client now. I had a client a couple of years ago, and all of the uh, sales folks that were in the field for this client were white men, six one and above, blonde, brown hair, if you will. Like this was this was 
documented that this person, the hiring manager, this is what they looked for. If we have all of these things that we are looking for and we have numbers like this, where are we going wrong with leadership? Yeah, I I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, what I talk about all the time is we don't train leaders to lead. We don't evaluate leaders once they're leading. It's all about the production, the monetization, all of those things. So we have to think about how do we train our leaders to lead? How do we evaluate people coming into leadership roles? Because also, once you get to a certain level in your career, you are going to get hired because you know somebody. You're going to get promoted because you've done a good job or you know somebody within your internal organization. And you don't go through kind of those regular hoop jumping thing, you know, parts of the application process that that entry level people do. And so it's like a perk of getting into leadership is not having that assessment piece. But we can't just promote people or hire people into leadership positions and expect that they know how to lead because 99% of the time they don't. But is integrity really important? And, and here's why I'm asking that question. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm asking that question because on the surface you hear is integrity important, but are there opportunities where one can, can operate in a gray zone where one can be under questionable integrity and still be doing the right thing for the business? Still be doing the right thing for their people, their people. Yeah. That's where I was going. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think that sometimes the law and the policy are not right and we should, Oh, and, Breaking them is not a lack of integrity when it's done um, to protect or or promote the people that work on our behalf and and on part of our teams. It it, like there is no. I don't want to say there's no black and white, but black and white in terms of leadership is very different because every person that you manage, every person that you care for is different. They have different needs. And I think you don't have to compromise your integrity generally as a leader. Most of us don't get put in that position um, for altruistic reasons. But if if you need to, then you got to take care of your people. And I think that's acting with integrity. Oh, you, you raised such a good point. So So before I'm transparent, let me ask you, have you ever... Had your integrity challenged as a leader? Uh, it, I've definitely had it challenged, and I feel like I've, I've, I have failed as a leader a lot of times. But I feel like I've always done it with integrity. Now, you might ask some people that have worked for me have been on my team, and they feel very differently. And I, I would honor that feedback. But I'm pretty good at recognizing when I fail, and this isn't one like. I feel like I've I feel like I've been pretty tied on. Yeah, I think back, um, you know, mine, of course, goes uh, almost 25 years ago, 1998. I think about a time where I was uh, and I think I've talked about this on the show, but uh, I was inside of a call center environment and there were other people that were constantly being applauded, being recognized for their sales performance, the performance of their team, their individual performance. And, you know, I would always operate with a high degree of integrity. Like I wouldn't cheat. I wouldn't 
dial into certain we had certain systems where you can go in and get information on clients and then you could use that information to manipulate the sale to kind of finesse your way to a different type of a sale where you know originally if you operated off of the information on our screen you would have probably had this type of a sale but because you could get additional information you were able to grow your sale and of course you were growing your commission checks you were growing your standings in the building uh, and so I, I went to, you know, a point where I was just like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of watching these folks cheat and not get in trouble. I let my team cheat and we got in trouble. And so I literally had to uh, I literally had to to go into the system. And I'll never forget this morning, man. I I, I sat in a room in my townhouse and um, I just cried because I was like, I literally have to go to work and I have to fire 13 out of 20 people. And so what I decided to do was I called each and every one of them, the ones that I could reach before our shift started that morning. And I said, don't come to work, draw up your resignation letter and resign. That way I can go into the system and put you in as rehirable. Not like you're going to come back to this type of a job, but I want you to always have that option. So I think I was able to save like 10 out of the 13, got them to resign before they came to the office. Good for my you. worst day, my worst day in corporate America. And the person who told on us for doing what they were doing was a person who was doing it. Of course. They just of didn't course. appreciate the fact that we did it in a way that was even more superior than <laughs> the way that they did it. I mean, you know, that's just how it is. And that's so, how it happens, man. Yeah. And I just said to myself, you know, uh, I want to make sure I want to make sure that I'm never jeopardizing the livelihoods of individuals, myself or anybody who's reporting to me. And so literally from that moment, I've always said in business, I'm going to operate with a high degree of integrity. So it's extremely important. Yeah. And, and you're a better leader today because you went through that. Fair? Fair. Absolutely better. Definitely, definitely better. Definitely better. Um, so our, our folks over at Ben and Jerry's, we love them. Uh, oh, yes. You know, you referred to them last year, didn't you? When you wrote your corporate statement, did you take a look at what they did? Um, pulling out of uh, occupied Palestinian territory. Well, this is what they did this year. But I'm asking like last year, were you familiar with how socially active and yes. what type oh, yeah. of impact? That, yeah. OK. Yeah, got yeah, it. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. love Ben and Jerry's a delicious ice cream. B share a lot of my same value sentiments. So talk about what they've done now. Yeah, they have. They actually just said, you, listen, we're not selling our ice cream in the occupied territory. Plain and simple. Yeah. Like, I, like, like two plus two is like, there's not a whole lot of math to the equation. And what's really powerful is that they hadn't tweeted probably for close to two months. So if you looked at their Twitter feed, they had been silent since like the third week of May. And then they came out this week and sent a tweet. Boom. We're not so, and of course, who got who gets bad? Folks on Twitter are upset. Folks on yeah. Twitter, I'm not e eating any more of their ice cream, and I don't understand why people are so wedded to. I, I feel you about to jump in. Feel free to jump in because I'm struggling with. I just don't understand why people are so wedded to. Um, and I'm struggling for the word, the right, right word. But that whole scenario is fucked up. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, we've talked about this briefly, but any criticism of 
the Israeli government and their inhumane treatment of Palestinian people is often met aggressively as anti-Semitic. And so I think even as DNI leaders, we are, or just leaders, period, conditioned to avoid any support statements for Palestinians. And we we have to stop that. We have to figure out a way how to make sure that we're not being anti-Semitic, which I know you and I are not, and we're not, you know, furthering tropes or anything to that effect. But we can say that the people of Palestine are under oppressive rule by the Israeli government and that there needs to be a solution that allows Palestinians to prosper and grow and move freely around the country of their birth. And that's the fact. You know, I wonder what the I wonder what the room was like when when the people who made that decision, I wonder what that convert. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would love to be sitting in the Ben and Jerry's conference room, even like a staffer. You know how at Congress you got the folks that are sitting behind the politicians. Yeah. I'd love to be not at the table, just sitting in the room, listening to how the idea unfolded. What was the positive, the critical tension to to the idea yeah. and the why behind it? Like, yes. I understand the why. But, but I wanted to hear, I would love to hear the why behind we're doing this. We're pulling our ice cream from this entire region. Yeah. Like why the decision right now? And I tried to find something and I couldn't. So hopefully when Ben and Jerry's puts out their next statement, which it, it sounds like they're going to, you know, give their full position on the why we'll, we'll get a little bit more detail about what prompted it. Yeah. And I wonder what impact it has, you know, uh, overall, uh, I mean, again, it's not the largest region. Uh, I wouldn't assume that they are selling the most ice cream in that particular region. So I don't think it was really a fiscal or financial decision. I quite frankly don't even think they really thought about it. I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing that it's probably like just a little blip and that they could make that money up someplace else. It really is a principled reason as far as I'm concerned. Yes, but it stu- sucks that Palestinians cannot get Ben and Jerry's in in the occupied territory now. I just yeah. I will say that. You, you know what? That's that <laughs> I, that's cute. I like that. Uh, I actually think that you know I think one of the things that would be great for Crazy and the King. Um, oh wow! I just had an idea. <laughs> I think it would be awesome if we had a bit of a debate. If we could find someone from either side of the conversation to have a friendly debate on crazy and the king and not so much so a debate but an educational experience for us and our listeners. Yeah, I think we need that for us. I think that that will be and our listeners. The bomb. Yeah, that would be We're that would be awesome. Okay, no Yeah, take. let's work on that. Let's work on that. Okay, so uh we got the sponsor, these incredible folks over in Indiana by the uh name of Jobvite. Um, and you did something with them this summer, didn't you? Yeah, I got to do the, the two talented, uh, summer or two talented Tuesdays for their summer to evolve series. Awesome conversations Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for six full weeks of the summer. And you can still definitely catch it. You can absolutely catch it for now. Let's take a quick listen to the ad and then we'll keep pushing through the show. Okay, okay, real quick. Jobvite is taking you on a TA road trip all summer long during the Summer to Evolve road trip. 
That was a little bit redundant, but the bottom line is they are rocking this eight week series of educational content designed specifically for TA and recruiting professionals just like you and I. Each and every week, there'll be three short sessions aimed at helping you to hone your skills, helping you to improve existing processes and inspire new ideas from some of the greatest minds in TA. You'll explore topics such as building talent pools to support rapid hiring, the TA metrics driving business outcomes, and leveraging recruitment technology to help you find and hire top talent faster. Gotta quickly mention, great prizes, fun road trip games, and exciting surprises. You can get all of that if you start mapping out your road trip journey today at jobbite.com forward slash summer. Again, that is jobbite.com forward slash summer. All right. Welcome back. So I, you had spent some time on Twitter this week. I can tell because this next segment of our show, one, totally love. As soon as I pulled up our show sheet, I smiled and you've got a bunch of different tweets for us to talk about today. So bring it to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I, I probably should have gotten, um, so basically there's this incredible hashtag that is going around, uh, disability Twitter, there's disabled artists, there's a couple of them, a couple of others. And really the tweet that caught my attention was around, what is it that you wish abled individuals would stop doing? Stop saying, you know, stop doing, stop saying, just let's have, let's treat one another in a way that all of us are feeling, I don't know, equal. One lady, her name is Beth on Twitter, uh, July 13th, she put up a tweet uh, and it says, I wish for a world that views disability, mental or physical, not as a hindrance, but as unique attributes that can be seen as powerful assets if given the right opportunities. That's by Oliver Sacks, if given the right opportunities. And so, you know, what I took from that is it's not that people that are operating with a disability want you to ignore their disability. It's not even that they are ignoring the disability. It's really around, let's not focus on that Let's focus on everything else of me that comes to the equation. And so whether it be going out on a date, whether it be operating or moving in the community, just socializing, doing different things, of course, if it has something to do with working in a public place or in an organization, let's just let's be considerate that that that's that's all we're at, like not asking for anything. Incredible. But it's incredible. Just be considerate. Why'd you like, why'd you smile so much when you saw it? Well, I, I think it's just funny. Well, number one, I'm going to call out disability Twitter because y'all don't follow back. First of all, I'm one okay. of you. You're one of me. Y'all need to start following back. Second. Okay. Yeah, um, I thought you was going to say you smile because uh, Dermot Devlin is hilarious. That cat is like. <laughs> Well, that's also true. Um, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go so ahead. Anyway, go ahead. But no, I, I mean, it literally, I, I just, I love that you found our community. I talk about disabled Twitter all the time, or disability Twitter all the time, like in my talks, because like you can go here and you can learn about 
how people with disability feel, what we're hitting in everyday life, you know, and it starts to normalize, right? Which I say all the time, a world that was not built for people and you start to understand the frustrations of constantly having to do or not being able to do or ask for help for the basic things that they have, we have the capabilities of completing, right? So you like showed the one tweet um, from Jocelyn, which was a really, it was a heartbreaking tweet about how she had to leave grad school at Tulane because the system wasn't working for her, right? Tulane sounds like they have some fault here and we won't get into that, but the everyday processes in her life were not built to be inclusive. They were built for for the able-bodied. And so she just sort of documents all the things that she had to go through just to try to get to class, right? And we're talking about someone who is working on their master's degree, right? Intelligent, educated, capable human being and all that she had to go through. And there's just so much information and humanity in this Twitter feed that I'm, I smile because I'm happy you discovered it. And I'm so happy that you found the value in it. And, and a lot of times the very fucking funny stuff that happens in it too. Yeah, absolutely. Jocelyn's thread, there talking about the various challenges that she had, you know, is reminiscent of a tweet that Stubbsy put up earlier um, uh, yesterday in the recording, he put up something around in an athlete who wanted to not wanted to an athlete that was, prepare to compete in the Olympics, but blind and deaf. And so that athlete historically had been accommodated. They were able to take a personal, I forget the title of the the support person, but they were able to take someone that they knew and trusted with them to all of their meets. Those provisions had already been made for. And uh, Stubbsy, who was our guest last week, and if you didn't hear last week's episode, go to crazyintheking.com and catch the replay. But Stubbsy put that tweet up on yesterday, and the young lady, unfortunately, is not allowed to take someone she knows and trusts. She's actually being assigned to someone in the uh, in Japan who is uh, at a ratio of thirty-three to one. This one care person is supporting 33 individuals that have a disability. And I believe the number was like 15 of them are, are also blind and deaf. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about, so this is Becca Meyer. She's a swimmer. She's a three-time gold medalist, a six-time Paralympic medalist, and a it, she's won ESPYs two times, 2017 and 2015. She is blind and deaf, and her mother is her her caregiver, right? So her mother is literally her eyes and her ears. And the uh, U.S. Paralympic Association said, no, you can't take your eyes and your ears. You must use someone else's eyes and ears and have them available to you one thirty second of the time, right? I, I'm completely dumbfounded. And I, I mean, she did the, I think, the only thing that she can do Right. I mean, you would never say to a person in a wheelchair, you can go to Tokyo and you can compete in the Olympics, but you can't take your wheelchair. Right. It just wouldn't happen because that's physically a part of them. And in her case, this person is physically her eyes and ears, her trusted guide in this world. And 
I mean, it's like a huge fucking fail, right? I hope Team Speedo does something for her. I hope, um, you know, her congressmen I know are reaching out, but U.S. Olympics has to do better, has to do better. So full transparency, I put up a response to Stubbsy's tweet and I said, I absolutely agree that she should have someone that she knows and trusts. But on the flip side, and I'm paraphrasing it, flip side, I understand they are trying to limit the number of people that are in what I'll call Olympic Village. And we know yesterday the COVID cases were going up. So do you make some sort of concession and understanding for the fact that COVID is real? And you know what I think is going to happen, Jay, for real? I honestly think they're going to get over there and cancel the Olympics. You know what? I I really think that's a possibility. We've actually, we have a hashtag in the house, worst Olympics ever, um, because I think we should have waited another year. I, Japan has an 11% vaccine rate. It, it just, it's just a mess because her having her caregiver with her, right? Her eyes and her ears should never be a question. I agree. Especially for an American athlete. Let me go out and say that, especially for an American athlete. And they said this morning, actually, the um, head of the the game said that they may still cancel. And I think it's a good possibility. Yeah, I absolutely think so. So I just loved the fact that this disability Twitter hashtag was popping. There was another young lady, Rebecca Kaplan. She put up uh, a quote from her landlord. I didn't get into her her tweet thread or stream to find out if she elaborated a bit, but she had an issue with her landlord. Her landlord said, quote, the ADA is your personal business. So that already infers that it was a contentious moment, uh, that the landlord wasn't necessarily empathetic and caring about what she was experiencing, whether that be access, whether that be uh, ability to remit payment, whatever the issue was, the landlord could care less. The ADA is your personal responsibility. And then the jewel that I found in it, and I hadn't had time to really, uh, so maybe you know a little bit about this. Are you familiar with the Better Care, Better Jobs Act? Oh, no, that's not the one I thought you were going to talk about. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, no, so that that is from, uh, from the ARC, and there is um, critical cuts to home and community-based services that help people with significant disabilities uh, live, work, and and interact in our community. And we need everyone to um, contact their congresspeople and make sure that those HSBC cuts don't happen because it will, it will result in the reinstitutionalization of a large population of people with disabilities who've lived in as our neighbors for years. And real quick, the hashtag for uh, what Julie just said, it's, it's hashtag HCBS. Home cuts and what was the BS? No, um, home and community based services. Home and community based services. Thank you. Hashtag HCBS. Now, you said that wasn't the one you thought I was going to talk about. What do you think I was going to talk about? No, I thought you were going to talk about Rebecca Coakley's um, support for LeVar Burton as host of Jeopardy. Um, a, I love LeVar Burton. I think he's amazing. I didn't see that. I didn't oh, see yeah, that. Ever I since I was that. a little kid. Oh, okay. that's the one I thought you were talking about. Yeah. So um, LeVar Burton is hosting Jeopardy this week. And as a disability community, we are supporting him. I don't know why, but I'm all down because I was supporting him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. LeVar Burton, he's got a he actually has a great podcast. I don't know. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. No, but he's got a, He's got an awesome podcast. He tells stories. You got to check it out. 
Like well, he, yeah, he is, he's doing, he's doing some good work. So I wanted to do something new. Um, and let's see if we can rock this for the re- remainder of the year and, and kind of see how it lands with individuals. And you and I were talking about what we'd like to do to maybe spruce up our podcast. And we got a couple of ideas. And one of them is we want to amplify the voices of women. And so we have a Her Voice segment sponsored by. Um, hmm. uh, oh, shoot. Who, who's this? Oh, 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 it could be you. It could be you. It hey, listener, be. it could be you. Yes, your organization could be the sponsor of the Her Voice segment. And so I think we'll work on maybe grabbing. I got to check to see if that hashtag is already taken. Don't know. But it could be sponsored by your organization. And what Julie and I want to do is amplify women that are on the move, women that are making magical things happen, women that are exhibiting, you know, just all types of grit and courage and acumen and just so like who's one of our first people, Jay? Um, so uh Wally Funk of Grapevine, Texas. I think if you watched Jeff Bezos go into space, we won't talk about that today. But she at 83 uh went into space and I think it's awesome that she was actually one of the astronauts who tested to be on the original uh, Mercury 13 uh, mission. And even though the women a lot of times tested better than the men, no women were allowed on that flight because America didn't want to see seem weak versus the Soviet Union. So they put all men in. But yesterday or two days ago, Wally Funk made it up into space and had a hell of a time. Absolutely. And that Mercury 13 that Julie is referencing was from 1961, like past all of the credentials, everything. It was 13 women that became astronauts, but weren't assigned to take that space flight because of what Julie said. Uh, Another woman, her voice, if we had the opportunity to have her here with us on Crazy and the King would be Ursula Burns. I mean, truly, truly, truly have a deep amount of respect for the grind that Ursula uh, has exhibited in corporate America. And yet, even from her exit at Xerox, she still continues to just make news and make things happen. Uh, She is uh, currently the chair of the board at the consultancy to nail holdings, and she's now joining the board of Endeavor. Love the work that Ursula Burns is doing. And then real quick, Sophia Hendrick, uh, Sophia Hernandez, TikTok's head of U.S. business marketing is joining the board of Suzy, which is a market research platform. Now, the reason why I brought up Sophia Hernandez is because it just gets me one name closer to TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but it gets me one name closer to TikTok. I got to tell you something really funny here uh, inside of our Her Voice segment. Speaking of TikTok, did you see the job posting for uh, McCormick's first director of taco relations? Yes, I sent it to my brother. I did. Yes, that was awesome. You know I did the video. (laughs) You know I did the video. I'm going to send you the video. I'm going to text you the video. Text me the video. I'm going to text you. Don't share it. Because I don't want it to hit the public and then I get disqualified because I'm telling you, McCormick is going to choose me 
to be their first oh. director of taco relations. I'm a t- I'm sending I'm sending you the video. Okay, do it. it. So our first installation of her voice. Let us know how you like it. Give us some comments on social media. Tag us on Twitter. Tag us on Instagram. Tag us on Facebook, and all of that other great stuff. Real quick mentions: uh, How to be an ally summit. The discount code we keep telling you. So grab your ticket. Deanna Singh and her team are doing an incredible event in October. It's a virtual event. How to be an ally summit. I understand the swag bags are out of this world. Discount code is C-A-T-K ally one zero. C-A-T-K ally one zero. Name drop. Uh, So MIT Technology Review has an awesome podcast series out right now. It's three pods on the impact of AI in talent acquisition. It's badass. You have to listen all three episodes, like 30 minutes a piece. Totally doable. And I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice inside of all of the chaos of organizations right now trying to determine if we want to be hybrid if we want to be distributed we're going to stay agile remote we're going to change your compensation because you're not in this city you're in that city and all of these other things that are happening focus on finding your voice be a better human build better teams better business units and better departments for now jay and i are ghosts see ya You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.